Hello and welcome to Day 3 Live, the live broadcast of Sunday morning service at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. You can learn more about our ministry at day3church.org or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. We're glad you chose to listen. Today is part one of our series called Righteousness. That word isn't heard very often anymore. What does it mean and how should that impact us? We will explore that in today's message, Righteousness Defined. We believe that God is waiting to speak to you today. So sit back and join us for the next few minutes. It's Day 3 Live, and it starts right now. Good morning. If I start to yawn or seem to fall asleep in the message, um, I sent the notes out early to... uh, uh, Carl and the Chuck, y'all can take turns coming up and finishing the message. I had to do a wedding in South Carolina yesterday, and uh, it was detained uh, an hour uh, because of the weather <coughs> coming through. And uh, so we got a late start coming back, and then you know coming through storms all the way back and stuff like that. So uh, I did not get in bed the time I would normally like to get in bed. Uh, so, uh, anyway, forgive me if I start yawning a little bit, and I uh, hope I won't make you yawn by the message. We're starting a, a new series today. Uh, There's going to be a four-part series, as far as I know, uh, right now entitled Righteousness. I had not necessarily planned on uh, focusing on spiritual buzzwords like peace and then righteousness, but it seemed that to be where God uh, led us <clears throat> for this uh, next series. Uh, the word uh, righteous or, or righteousness um, uh, occurs about 588 times in the Bible. Depends on which translation you're looking at. So anything that occurs that many times in the Bible, I think we ought to kindly uh, set up and take notice uh, about what uh, God is uh, saying. The problem is in our culture today, <clears throat> people don't like to talk about anything that is righteous or anything that is absolutely right or absolutely wrong. Uh, instead, we live in a relative world, right? That's what, that's what people think. Uh, you know, everything's relative. It, it, you know, it, what might be uh, right for me may not be right for somebody we live in. The problem with that is this. God hasn't changed. <laughs> Whatever God has said is wrong is still wrong. Whatever God has said is right is still right, and that will forever be so. Because God himself is righteous. He's not going to throw away his own standards of right and wrong because he himself is righteous. And that means this, God must always do, always say, always act in ways that are right. He never acts in ways that are wrong. He he always acts in ways that are right. God must always stand for what is right and always stand against what is evil. And he does that. And we need to recognize that as, as Christians. Jesus said this. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, we'll come back to that near the end of the message just a little bit. But uh, just look at that face value for a minute. Jesus is telling us there that, that there's something that we're to hunger for, something we're to thirst for, and it happens to be Righteousness. And he says, if we do that, we'll be filled. So since Jesus is telling us we need to hunger and thirst for righteousness, it might help us to figure out what righteousness is, wouldn't it? If we're to hunger and we're to thirst for righteousness. So with the background in mind that we live in a relative culture where everyone wants to just believe whatever they want to believe and think as long as it is their truth, it's fine. 
whether it's your truth or God's truth or not. With that in mind and with us understanding that there evidently must be a return, there needs to be a return for us as believers to understand what righteousness is. And even a lost world needs to understand what righteousness is. We're going to spend these four weeks focusing on righteousness. Here's where we're going. We're talking about righteousness defined or what is righteousness. That's today. Then we're going to talk about righteousness compared, God's versus man's, which you'll probably figure that one out pretty quick from today's message. That's not much of a comparison This there. We're going to talk about righteousness imputed. How can we be made righteous? And you'll hear a little bit about that today also. And then righteousness practiced. And I think that's the part that maybe there's a big deficit, even in the church today. The fact that we're, you know, God, God can make us righteous through Christ, but he wants us to live it out too in, in, in our lives. So that's the things we're going to talk about in, in this series. So today as we kick off the series, let's talk about righteousness defined or what is righteousness. What does it mean? What's some working definition that we can uh, kind of develop for ourselves, understanding what righteousness is, what it's all about, and not just understand it, but embrace it and apply it to our lives. So to begin with this morning, let me just give you some definitions of righteousness, definitions of, of, of righteousness. Since we're asking the question, what is righteousness? The dictionary kind of falls along the lines of it being more of a legalistic type thing, it seems to me, when you just look in the, in the dictionary, because it talks about behavior according to divine or moral law, thus being free from guilt or sin. Problem with that is my behavior won't do that for me. <laughs> Your behavior won't make you free from sin. You can't be made completely righteous by your own behavior. It also means in, in the English dictionaries to be morally right or justifiable. It means a, an outraged sense of justice or morality, such as having righteous indignation. I can have that a lot lately. You ever have that? <laughs> I had it a little bit on Facebook a couple of days ago. I probably should have left it alone, but there's some lady trying to Prove on Facebook that abortion is fine, and God proved that because life begins when he blew into Adam. And I'm thinking, is that the way God still makes us? <laughs> Does he reach down and get us in the dirt and breathe into us? You know, like that. And then I had to quote Psalm 139 to her and stuff. So uh, uh, I get a lot of righteous indignation at our culture lately. You may too. I don't know. It also is a slang term that you don't hear very much anymore, but it's a slang term that's probably used for something genuine or excellent. The Old Testament, and, and while I'm not going to necessarily dwell a lot on, on, on the, the meanings or be trying to uh, uh, speak the Hebrew words for you or anything, but in the Old Testament, when you look at the concept of righteousness, it is kind of given as a, as a state of righteousness, but it was also used talking about being in right relations, being in right relations with other people, or being in right relations with God. Or God being in right relations with, with, with men when he entered into a covenant relationship with men. That, that's kind of a concept of, of righteousness in, in the Old Testament. There, there's two main words in the Hebrew uh, that's used there. And, and, and I just want you to kind of see enough of those words to see that the word right pops up there. Uh, to, to cause to be or made to be right in one of those Hebrew words, in a moral or a, a forensic sense. It was even used to talk about being even or, ju or just or, or justice. 
The, the other main word, and it's just a form of the first one, uh, a minute ago, mean, means rightness. It, it means what is uh, uh, rightness abstractly or, or rectitude, uh, subjectively or justice objectively or virtue morally or even prosperity in a figurative type way. And it's also translated justice, righteous, or rightness. But I want you to see there the word right. When you come to the New Testament in the Greek, the primary word that's used in the New Testament in the Greek for righteous or righteousness uh, is a word that means right character or actions. But it's especially used to refer to Christian justification. In other words, God makes us just. God makes us right. We aren't right just like we are, and we'll unpack that more in a few moments. But once again, I want you to see the word right that's there. So maybe a working definition that we could have by rolling all those things together from the Old Testament and the New Testament for the word righteousness might be something like this. We could say that righteousness is that which is always right or just by nature and always does right or justice by actions. I think that could be a, a roll together Old Testament, New Testament definition of righteousness. It's what's always right. It never, ever changes and that means not just being called right, it's right by actions or justice also. Now, that leaves us with a problem, doesn't it? Because our problem is this. <laughs> We're not righteous. We're not just by our actions. We're not just by our nature. We're not right by our nature. We're not righteous just like we are. And you'll see verses that will explain that fully in a few minutes. We don't always do right, do we? We don't always do what is just. So that means we've got a major problem that we need to talk about when we think about righteousness. So let's look at some questions about righteousness then. There's just some quick definitions I want to give you, but, but some questions about righteousness. Let's ask about three main questions this morning. Question number one is this. The correct question might be, instead of the title, what is righteousness? And we'll get to that. But really, the, the question might ought to be this. Who is righteous? Who is righteous? Because as we look at the scriptures, here's what I discover. Righteousness is an attribute of God. Righteousness is an attribute of God because God is always right, always righteous, always does and says what is right by his very nature. It's not even a question mark whether God is right when you look at the scriptures. God is always right. God by his very nature always is righteous. So guys, that also means this. That means that if God is always right and God is always righteous, that means everything that he says is right. Amen. Everything he says is righteous. Everything he does is righteous. That means his will is righteous for us. We, we need to sit up and pay attention maybe because God is always right and God always does what is right. Because God is wholly righteous by his nature, it must be true that everything he says is right because he's holy and right by his very nature. So everything he does must be right. So this is a principle we need to grab hold of. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, prove it to me. Okay, let's look at some verses. And I'm going to throw a lot of verses at you today. Let the scripture speak for itself. Instead of, you know, a lot of uh, exposition, there'll be some of that, but uh, not as much of it. First John 2.29, the Bible says, if you know that he is 
righteous. You see that little phrase? He is righteous. You know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Now, that verse will probably come back near the end of this series when we talk about living out righteousness. In other words, guys, when, when we are made righteous, when we're Christians, we ought to live it out like I said a moment ago. It, it ought to be a characteristic of who we are because God is righteous, and if we're his children, we need to look a little bit like the Father, wouldn't we? If he's righteous, we ought to be living it out. But the Bible says he is righteous. Hebrews 1.8 tells us this, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. So God's throne never passes away. It's an eternal throne. It's forever. But notice what else he says. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. So in other words, we're being told there that the very rule or authority of God's kingdom, the very rule and authority of God's eternal throne that never changes is righteousness itself. That's the very authority of his kingdom. He is righteous. His kingdom is righteous. Some commentators also see Jesus in that scepter that's mentioned there because he is the righteous scepter of the kingdom of God. The Bible also tells us this in Psalm 51 verse 14. David writes these these words as he's crying out to God for forgiveness. He he says, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation. So he's crying out for God to deliver him for what he had done. And he refers to God as the God of his salvation. And he says, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Now, I want you to notice something there in that verse. David ties together, he marries righteousness and salvation. Do you see him doing that in that one verse? He he talks about righteousness and he talks about salvation in that one verse. And then David says, I'm going to sing of your righteousness Because God is the God of my salvation. That's what David is saying. Hey, he brings up a point that we need to realize. God's saving men who can't save themselves is the right thing to do. Amen? If God didn't provide that for us, he wouldn't be righteous. If God had set us up for a fall, knowing that man would sin, knowing that we'd fall into sin, and God did not plan for a way to redeem us and save us, and we could not save ourselves, and all of us are falling into sin, God wouldn't be right. But God is right, and God always does what's righteous, and God planned in eternity past. Knowing up front Adam was sin, knowing up front we'd be sinners, he planned to save us. He planned to do for us what we could not do. And that shows how righteous God is, to do what we could not do. Also in Psalm 71, verse 15 and 16, listen to the words of David, inspired of God. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation, all the day, for their number is past my knowledge, with the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come, I will remind them, talking about other people, I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. Now, notice again, he ties together God's righteous acts and God's deeds of salvation. So he's tying together righteousness and salvation again. That's important because we'll see that more as we move forward in the message. But he says, such right acts and deeds of salvation is something to talk about all the day long. He even said, David said, hey, it's beyond me even understanding all of it. It's beyond me knowing all of it. But what I do know, I'm going to talk about it all the day long. Guys, that's a good model for us, isn't it? (laughs) You want something to talk about all day long? Why not talk about God's righteousness and his salvation? 
When I talk about what the right God has done for you by redeeming you, by saving you, why not make that a constant topic? Because we can talk about it all the day long and never run out of something to say. Because you and I don't even have the full concept, really, of all that he's done for us. One day we will. One day we'll understand completely. But right now we don't. We don't understand it. Not all of it. But I want you to know something really important there. He said, such... He, he said, I will remind them of your righteous acts. And then notice those two little words, your, of your righteousness. Yours alone. Do you see that? Do you realize what David just said? God exclusively is righteous. Righteousness belongs to him. Righteousness is his nature. Righteousness is his very essence. Righteousness is who God is by his character, by his actions. God exclusively is righteous. Then one last point, one last verse to kind of just unpack this a little bit more. Notice what Jesus calls the Father. Jesus called the Father in John 17, verse 25, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you and these know you that you have sent me. Jesus, God the Son, calls God the Father, O righteous Father. Now, this took time to go through those verses to answer the question, who is righteous? Who is righteous? Have you figured it out from those verses? Who is it? Who is righteous? God alone, exclusively, he by his nature is righteous. Now, by me saying that, I'm talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. God is completely, totally righteous. God is righteous by his very nature, by his essence, by his existence, by all of his actions, by his words. God alone is righteous. So let's ask another question. Sometimes you can get to the right answer by asking what it is isn't. <laughs> so let's talk about that for a minute. Another question we need to ask when it comes to righteousness is this. What is not righteousness? What is not righteousness? Now by this question, I'm, I'm hoping to point you to the fact that, that we're not righteous. We're not righteous just like we are. We're not righteous just in our own skin. We're not righteous and we can't become righteous by our own good works or by trying to obey the law. We, we can't use the old terminology, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You've heard that before about people feeling like they're, they're a self-made man or woman. They just pull themselves up in life by their own bootstraps. You can't do that when it comes to righteousness. You can't do that when it comes to being all that God wants you to be. So how do we answer this question, what is not righteousness. Why don't we look at the Bible again? Think that'd be a good possibility? Jesus said this in Matthew 5 verse 20, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now for us, that may not have the teeth for us that it did to the people that Jesus was speaking to in that day. Because when they thought of the Pharisees and, and the scribes, they thought, man, they, if anybody's going to heaven, they're going to heaven. Because they, they tithed of all that they had, and, and they, you know, they, they, they prayed so many times a day, and they, they had all these righteous deeds. The problem was, especially with the Pharisees, they were doing it so people would see them. <laughs> 
You know, they had all these external acts. So what Jesus is telling the people of that day, who the normal conventional wisdom of that day would have been, hey, surely the Pharisees and the scribes are going to heaven. Jesus said, nope, <laughs> not based on their own goodness, not based on their own external works. And, and he's saying, hey, if you want to go to heaven, it takes more than that. You're not going to get there by external goodness, by, by external works. That's not going to happen. The Apostle Paul writes this in Romans 3.10. As it is written, a few are righteous. Is that what it says? As it is written, you, 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 maybe you are righteous. What's the Bible say? None. <laughs> As it is written, none is righteous, no not one, no one of their own accord, no one just like they are by their own nature, by their own essence, by their own good works is righteous. Paul goes on in Romans 3 and he says this, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified or be made just like they've never sinned. No, by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, in God's sight. Since through the law comes a knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. In other words, without the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. The, the Bible's telling us there, no one can be made just by good works or by obeying the law. That wasn't even the purpose of the law. You've heard me say that over and over and over again through the years here at Day 3 Church. The law wasn't sent to save you. The law wasn't sent to be a stairway to heaven. You'll climb up. The law was sent to show us how messed up we are, how sinful we are, how much we need a Savior, how much we need to cry out and repent us, how much we need to ask forgiveness. The law was sent not to save, but to convict us uh, of sin, not to save us from our sin. God's righteousness is clear here in the Bible that God's righteousness is not through the law, but instead his righteousness is through faith in Jesus Christ, period, in what Jesus did for us on the cross, faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, not all who work, but all who believe. Paul also writes these words in Titus chapter 3. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, now look through that verse again. God does not, did not, will not save anyone because of their own works or attempts at righteousness. That's not how it works. God will not save anybody because of their own good behavior. God doesn't save us because of that. The Bible clearly said that there. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but instead, according to his mercy. Now, most of you have heard the difference between mercy and grace before. Just in layman's terms, mercy is more or less God not giving us what we deserve. You know what we deserve? What I deserve? What all of us deserve? I deserve judgment. I deserve hell for all eternity. That's what I deserve. 
But God, in his mercy, see, see God could have convicted me for, for my sins the very first time, and he did, and me push it off, and I did. And God could have been just and holy to send me right straight into hell for all time. But in his mercy, God didn't give me what I deserved. In his mercy, God still dealt with my heart. In, in, in his mercy, he, he, he was still willing to reach out to me. So he, instead of us receiving what we deserve, instead, Paul used the word there, grace. Instead, by God's grace. And God's grace, guys, is this. God's grace is his unmerited favor. To think about it in layman's terms. In other words, if it's unmerited favor, you can't earn it. You can't deserve it. It wouldn't be grace if you could earn it. It would be payment because of your works if you could earn it. But God saves us based upon grace. He saves us based upon his own volitional will. He decides to offer us salvation. Unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. But God extends that to us in grace. And Paul refers to it like this. As pouring out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That's the way we're made just. That's how he pours out his mercy and his grace fully upon us. It's poured out upon us through Jesus. And what Jesus did for us on the cross. So who is righteous? God is righteous. What is not righteousness? <laughs> you and I aren't by ourselves. Good works can't save us. Obeying the law won't save us or make us righteous. We, we, we can't do that. That's an impossibility. So the main question, we need to ask one more question is this. The main question is this. What is righteousness then as far as we are concerned? As far as you and I are concerned, what, what is righteousness? Or maybe ask it like this, how can we be made righteous? How, how can you and I be made righteous? You know what I think we ought to do again to answer the question? Where do you think we ought to go? <laughs> how about the Bible again, huh? The first mention of righteousness in the Bible sheds a lot of light on how God makes people righteous. Because the very first mention of righteousness in the Bible is Genesis 15, verse 6. And in that story, what we find there is this, Abraham believed God's promise. We talked about that a little bit a couple of weeks back in, in the peace series. God had promised Abraham, I'm going to make a mighty nation out of you. Problem was, Abraham was old, his wife was old, and they didn't have any children. And yet, even though everything looked impossible, the Bible clearly tells us what's impossible with man is possible with God. And what clearly looked to be impossible, Abraham took God at his word and he believed God. And when he took God at his word and he believed the promise of God, the Bible tells us that God reckoned that or counted him righteous because he took God at his word. So the very first instance of righteousness being mentioned in the Bible is Abraham practicing faith in the promise of God. Now, now, by the way, for anyone that wants to be legalistic and want to bring in the law, the law wasn't even in existence yet when Abraham was made righteous. That wasn't given until later on to Moses. Well, what about circumcision? Abraham wasn't circumcised at the time that God counted him righteous. The only thing Abraham had done that God counted him righteous for was believe what God had said. Period. 
Romans chapter 10, verse 4 tells us this. For Christ is the end of the law, or the fulfillment of the law. He is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who is good. To everyone who works. <laughs> to everyone who has their own concept of goodness. To everyone who lives in a relative world and they can believe whatever they want to believe and still get by. It tells us there, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Guys, in other words, righteousness is Christ. <laughs> Christ is righteousness. God's righteousness is fulfilled through Christ. He fulfilled all the law for us. We can fulfill all the just requirements of the law. So God did it for us by sending his son and Jesus once and forever fulfilled all the righteous demands of the law. And we have to believe in that and trust in him by faith. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21 for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Look at the very first part of that verse. Do you see what it says? For our sake. For my sake. <laughs> For your sake. I mean, God, God did that for, for me. We live in a crazy world where people want to twist the scriptures and everything else, and they want to make it sound like, you know, God was on some kind of pride trip for himself, and it's all about him. For my sake. <laughs> for our sake. He loved us so much for our sake. God's not some cold demigod. For our sake. For our sake. He made him, talking about his own righteous, sinless son, he made him to be sin. He carried our sins to the cross, but the Bible puts it here like this. He made him the righteous lamb of God. He made him to be sin. He made him my sin. He made him your sin. He, he made him to be sin. So that in him, when we trust in him, when we're placed in him by faith, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake, God the Father made Jesus, God the Son, perfect, sinless Lamb of God to be sin, even though Jesus did not sin and he knew no sin, so that in him, when we trust in him, we can by faith be placed in Christ and he died for us on the cross. We were in him when he died for us on the cross for our sin and also being in him means we become the righteousness of God. It's just as real as Jesus. Jesus became sin for us. Through Jesus, we become, we undeserving, we sinful as we are, we become the righteousness of God. A lost world, if they're willing to look and seek God's righteousness, if they would just look at the fact that he's redeemed people. 
We're the very righteousness of God because God did right. He did for us what we could not do when he saved us. We are the very walking, living, breathing righteousness of God in this world. Paul also said this in Philippians 3, verse 9. Paul wrote about rejecting any self-righteousness. Paul, by the way, could have had a lot of reason to brag as far as things in the flesh. He writes about that. We're not going to look at all that right now. But he wrote here in Philippians 3, 9 about rejecting any self-righteousness through obeying the law and instead being found in him. That phrase we just talked about, being found in him and thus righteous through faith in Christ. Here's what he writes there. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by what? By faith. Aren't you glad it says that? I can have faith. I can't always perform. I'm still in the flesh. I still fall short. If it was based on my performance, I I couldn't drive up the road to that cabin this evening and lay down and put my head on the bed and have peace when I lay down to go to sleep tonight because there'd been this big question mark in my mind. Did I do enough today? Or did I slip up enough today to ruin my eternity? But I can go up there tonight and I can put my head on the pillow and I can sleep in perfect peace because I know Jesus did enough. That Jesus did it all. That he fully took care of my sin problem. And I need to have the righteousness that is through faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 tells us literally this, that Christ is our righteousness. Look at what it says. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom, so Jesus should be our wisdom, and our righteousness and sanctification. God, through Jesus, has set us apart in himself in redemption. He paid for us. But since we're talking about righteousness, look at that phrase there. He he says, whom God made, talking about Jesus, whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness. Christ Jesus is my righteousness. If you know him as your Savior, he is your righteousness. That's what righteousness is. It's Jesus and your faith in him. He is your righteousness. And he is that because of what he did. 1 Peter 2, 24. He himself, talking about Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Carried all my sin, all your sin, all the sin of mankind to the cross. And when you trust in him, you've been redeemed But you've not been redeemed just to sit back. You probably have to see this verse later in the series, just to sit back and say, uh, Jesus died for me. I can live any way I want to live now. I can go along with the flow of the world. I can do whatever I want to do. I'll just live like that. And one day I'm going to heaven. No, he saved you so you can live for him. 
so you can live for righteousness. You didn't have the capacity to live for righteousness before, but now his spirit indwells you. And God has an expectation because he's righteous. Because he bought our righteousness. He has an expectation for us to live righteously in our lives. So what is righteousness? Let's go back to our boil down definition earlier. Righteousness is that which is always right or just by nature and always does right or justice by actions. That, that explains who God is. Our problem is we're not that. Our problem is we're not righteous. Who is righteous? We've already seen that in this message today from the scriptures. By nature, only God is righteous. We can't make ourselves righteous. Never could, never can, never will. But the good news, and that's what the gospel is. The good news is this. God will make us righteous, proclaim us righteous, count us righteous through faith in Christ. And then God expects us to live out righteousness, not in order to be saved, but because we have been saved. Look at the way Psalm 23, verse 3 puts it. He restores my soul. He restores us first. Then he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. People try and reverse that around and, and get the cart in front of the horse. Hey, you have to be saved first. <laughs> you have to allow him to restore your soul first. Then he leads you in paths of righteousness. So the most important question for you today is literally this. Am I righteous? If you walked in the door today, got up this morning, been living your life thinking that you are righteous because you live such a good life, I hope the Holy Spirit has busted your bubble today with his word. Because the only way that you can correctly answer that question based upon what we've seen in the Bible today, is for you to understand this. You are not righteous unless you have trusted in Jesus Christ who makes you righteous. God makes you righteous through faith in Jesus. No man can be justified by his own works apart from God making that person righteous. Because of that, that means that righteousness is a wonderful gift of love from God to humanity. Guys, even the law is righteous. There's nothing wrong with the law. The law is righteous because it's from God. And the righteous law is even a, a love gift from God because it does this. It lets us know we need a Savior. It shows us how messed up we are, how sinful we are, as I said earlier. It convinces us that we're not righteousness. But the main righteous gift is God's love in Jesus Christ, the sinless and fully righteous Savior, dying for the sin of mankind so that through faith in him, God makes men righteous as a free gift of grace. That's the only way that you can be made righteous. Let's come back to our original verse today. Matthew 5, verse 6, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Here's what that gives me a picture of. That gives me a picture of someone sitting at a table, <laughs> and they're hungry. And they eat until they're satisfied. That's what filled means. 
you eat and you're satisfied and you, then you say, I'm, I'm, I'm full. Which leads me to say this. If you really want to be satisfied in life, you need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And the only way you'll get that righteousness is through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can be made satisfied. That's the only way you can be full, <laughs> spiritually speaking, is, is to trust in, in, in Jesus. Through faith in Jesus, not only can you be satisfied, but God is satisfied. God is satisfied with you because Jesus met all the righteous demands of God for you by living a sinless, perfect life, going to the cross and dying for your sin. I want to close by, I don't normally do this, but I want to read something directly out of the Evangelical Dictionary of Biblical Theology because I love the way this paragraph puts it. So bear with me, then we're going to have the invitation. Here's how, here's how that book on theology, that dictionary on theology describes righteousness. God the Father is righteous or just. Jesus Christ the Son is the righteous or just one. The Father through the Son and the Holy Spirit gives the gift of righteousness to sinners. Do you see it's a gift he gives? In other words, he makes them just. When they repent, when they agree with God about their sinfulness and they trust, they repent and trust in the forever finished sacrifice of Jesus for sin on the cross. Then such believing sinners are declared righteous or just by the Father through the Son and are being made practically righteous or just by the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Those with such faith in Christ will be proclaimed eternally righteous or just in the age to come. They are now and will be forever righteous because they are in a covenant relationship with the living God who is the God of all grace and mercy and who will bring to completion what he has begun in them by declaring them eternally righteous for Christ's sake. Man, I love that. One day, you see, if you know Christ as your Savior, as far as God's concerned, you're righteous right now. We'll talk about imputed righteousness later on in this series. But as far as God's concerned, if you've really trusted Christ as your Savior, you're righteous right now. In a practical way, the Holy Spirit in your life is working to make you more set apart or more righteous. But there's coming a day before holy God that he, for Jesus' sake, is going to say that Lynn Parsons is righteous for all eternity. And if you know Christ as your Savior, he's going to say that you're righteous for all eternity for Jesus' sake. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, he's going to cast you away forever. Again, the question, are you righteous? If not, you can be made forever righteous right now by trusting Christ as your Savior. Father, Help us as we move through this series to uh, gain deeper understanding of your righteousness and what righteousness is. Help us to strive to live it out in this world that doesn't even have a concept of righteousness, 
of right and wrong, and everything's just relative based upon the individual and what they want to believe. Father, we pray for our world. We pray for people who are deceived like that because one day they'll hear you say, depart from me, I never knew you. But Father, we thank you because of the righteousness of your Son. Those of us that have faith in you will be made forever righteous. Father, I pray for anyone that's gathered here this morning that doesn't know Christ the Savior. That right now in this moment, if they're not sure they've been made righteous, that they'll admit that they're a sinner, they can't save themselves, and they'll trust completely, totally, exclusively in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Please stand. Daryl will be down here at the front to uh, join me. John, of course, leading us here. But if we can help you, please come and let us know. Are you in need of greater peace in your life? It is possible, and it starts with being at peace with God. Just pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I realize I need you and your forgiveness. I invite you to be the boss of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to talk to you. We're here to pray with you, to love you, and offer support. Please contact us at day3church.com. We care about you, and we want to connect with you. Until next time, this is Pastor John reminding you that God is greater than your circumstances, and His mercies are new every morning. It's time to experience a new day in your life.